Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? We'll be the baby of the year. Hello and welcome back to the Turbo Team Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brennan. We're excited to be back with you again after a week off. Joined by me today, the usuals, Alex Powell and Ben Neeson. How are you guys doing? Oh, oh boy, if I was I was doing well, you'd sure know about it. I okay. second that. <laughs> that was my best Cole Hirsch impression. That was poor. Never mind. <laughs> Cole Hirsch. Friend of the program. <laughs> enemy of the program the the unnamed snow cone place in Indiana, iowa <laughs> for legal hey. reasons we're no longer allowed to name them by their actual company name hey we're not trying to catch a case drop it drop hashtag it. get the turbo team podcast a lawyer <laughs> there's any there's Is any lawyer out there uh please contact us on twitter <laughs> at the turbo team pod <laughs> So speaking of lawyers, today we watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with lawyers. <laughs> it's a 2020 film directed by Charlie Kaufman, starring two people named Jesse. One is Jesse Buckley, <laughs> uh, Lucy, Amy, Andre, like 10 different names, and Jesse Plemons playing Jake. And not me, Jake, a different Jake. That might get a little confusing for a uh, all of the faithful and supportive listeners of the Turbo Team podcast. And if you're a listener of the show, you, of course, know our newish tradition where Ben takes us through a synopsis of the film that we watched. And this week, I'm very interested to see because I don't think either Ben or I understood the movie at all. <laughs> uh, there's so much and so little to say about this movie, but I'm going to try my best. All right. Well, our protagonist, a young woman, is contemplating ending her six-week relationship with her boyfriend, Jake, on the drive to meet Jake's parents. They reach the farmhouse where Jake's parents live and have a dinner with plenty of confusing, trippy experiences. (laughs) They head home but stop at Jake's high school where he disappears inside. In search of Jake in the high school, two dancers appear dressed as the two of them and have a ballet dance. (laughs) <laughs> a janitor that has been shown cleaning a high school throughout the film finishes his night shift. Afterwards, he hallucinates Jake winning the Nobel Prize and singing a song. End of confusing movie. <laughs> Any better myself. <laughs> the uh, the janitor's real name, like in real life, is Guy Boyd. And uh, I read that, and uh, I'm very confused who the first person was to name their uh, son Guy and why everyone else just kind of rolled with it. But that's for another day. (laughs) That's episode 24 of the Turbo Team podcast. (laughs) For starters, in this movie, I I really liked Jesse's performance. Wait, Jesse me or Jesse him? (laughs) You guys are both named Jesse? I'm fucking confused. That was every day on set. <laughs> they just kept Jesse, her, Jesse, you know? the female, be like, wait, so what's my name today? She had like seven different <laughs> And they said yes. Yes. This uh 
This movie has a 50. So this movie on Rotten Tomatoes is an 84 by critics, but the audience score is 50%. <laughs> I think that's just because no one understood it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of accurate. Alex, did you understand the movie? Okay, no, I didn't. But Vanity Fair has a really good article uh, looking back at other Charlie Kaufman movies and comparing them and then also explaining kind of what we just watched. So if you're conf- if you've seen this movie and you're confused about, you know, what just happened, read the Vanity Fair article about it. It's really good. I'm completely informed of what of like exactly what happens now in it. Comparing it to other Charlie Kaufman movies like uh what's the uh one with the hold on, let me uh, figure Eternal it out. Sunshine of the Spotless yep. Mind. Eternal Sunshine of Spotlight Minds, Synodope, New York, Being John Malkovich. Uh, there's a couple others, but it compares it to that movie and kind of the similarities between them and Coffin. And, uh, this is also based off a book. I guess the book is easier to understand than the movie, though. Uh, that's what the Vanity Fair article says. So, what, what do you guys? What do you guys think happens? I'm, I'm kind of curious to think. <laughs> so the way that I took it was that everything that happened in the movie up until he wins the Nobel Peace Prize, of course, I think it was just a dream or like a vision of what would have happened if he... What what was the girl's name? Lucy? Amy? I don't know. They keep... They changed changed. If he, I if think he Lucy fell in was love with a girl like Lucy when he was in college. And that's why... like. Once you discover that it is a dream or something like a dream, I don't know if that's officially what Kaufman wanted it to be, but I think once you do that and then you go back and look at some of the details and you look back at some of like your own dreams and how confusing some of the details are, I think mm-hmm. it is kind of very well done from the perspective where like his parents keep changing age and they change clothes in every scene they're in and they change hairstyles and it's just kind of like the attention to detail that makes a dream look it, it makes the movie look con, as confusing as a dream is like yeah. dreams in real life aren't as like straightforward as they are in movies like inception which mm-hmm. movies like that are very well done but they're also like filmed to make you feel like you're in real time and like real things are happening and this is kind of just like i don't know a bunch of random stuff thrown together but in like a creative way yeah uh ben do you have any other idea what happened, or do you kind of agree? <laughs> it's kind of odd for us to jump into a broad idea of, okay, what was happening <laughs> just right at the beginning. But, uh, no, I don't really think it was more of a dream sequence. I saw it more as just her on a trip, and the, tr- the simple trip of going to the house and then coming back, uh, it being late, although she didn't want it to be late, they took too much time at the house than she wanted. I saw it more as her mind just wandering more and more throughout the entire, uh, throughout the entire film up to the part where they stopped at the high school. And then we, uh, started watching from the janitor's perspective. I don't necessarily have any takes on that, but. Okay. So Ben, you're completely wrong. Jake, you're close. The movie is, from the view is is it's not a dream rather kind of it's a daydream so the janitor's working at his job you know that's why it keeps cutting back to him like watching a movie or you know uh mopping the floors or whatever so the sequence of the entire movie is lucy 
is a girl that he met when he was just out. He like saw her from across the bar. They they say a couple different times how they met. One yeah. of them was he they're like she, they're at like a trivia night and he saw her and like he he came over and talked to her. So the Vanity Fair article says that was like the original way they met. But the I guess that's what it says in the book I think. But so the janitor who we never learn learn his name we assume it's Jake saw lucy's character from like across a bar and now he now the movie is him imagining what their life would be together if he like went up and talked to her so basically he's like regretting it throughout the whole movie and this is him daydreaming about what would have happened if their life together and her you know her name changing the different ages his parents are kind of some of the stuff they keep going through like uh like when they go and get ice cream and those girls are the girls that you know make fun of him when he's at the school so yeah that is him like recycling through this this daydream he has trying to see what fits the best you know what's gonna make it the best story it's kind of like it's kind of like in a way like if you're actually writing a movie and you're changing every not that any of us have written a movie but you understand the process and they're just changing little aspects of stuff to see what feels natural you know and so the movie title i'm thinking of ending things while we see it from Lucy who keeps saying it in her mind, the actual – is uh, that's the janitor portraying his suicidal thoughts on Lucy. So when – and then at the very end uh, in the truck scene where he gets like un- – where he like takes off all his clothes and follows yeah. the pigs, I assume – I took it as that's when he actually killed himself because then the last shot is the truck he's in buried in snow. So I assume he just dies of hypothermia or something like that, but – that's what that's that's what the movie is about. It's just it's this Janner's daydreaming his perfect life. Uh, if he didn't, if he ever went up and talked to that girl, you know. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, because the last internal dialogue that the young woman had in the car was, uh, "Dying of hypothermia is probably one of the like better ways to go, or something yep. like it's not the worst way to go." Yep, and there's so, little Easter, there's little Easter eggs throughout. So. Uh, do you remember in the car when she like she's like talking about this poem she has and he's in the yeah. Jesse Plemons character is like no go ahead and say it. that isn't that's a real poem not by her I don't I don't know who the author is but I guess like the author of that poem like his book is just, like flashed in the scene when she's in his bedroom and when she's in the basement the paintings we see in the basement are from another artist a real artist the real paintings but she takes credit for him when she's showing his parents so. That's kind of the theme, and then also like her accent changes sometimes. Like when they're yeah. in the car, she turns into like an old, you know, nineteen. She has like an old nineteen fifties accent. So, like I said, that's just him taking like elements that he knows and portraying it onto her, trying to idealize his, you know, perfect relationship with, you know, this woman that he met at a bar when he was younger. So, that's the movie. Do you guys have any takes now that you kind of know <laughs> what happened? Well. I disagree because I'm sorry, Vanity Fair and Alex. I have my <laughs> own interpretation of this. Gosh. I liked your. I thought your interpretation was that's what I thought at first too. I thought it was like her, just kind of drifting off while she's meeting this guy's parents. I thought it was from her perspective. That's why the janitor confused me so much. I, <laughs> I kind of caught on that. I thought my original reaction was this is her kind of whatever it is. This is her story, and that the janitor was Jake. In the future. That's what I was and thinking. And I thought too. it. Ca- I thought she like died or something. And this is and I, it's flashing back to him, kind of sad that she's gone, you know. But yeah. obviously that's not the case. So no, Jake, do you have any thoughts now that you know? <laughs> uh, ben, I, I had no idea what was going on the whole time. 
Dude, <laughs> movie's confusing. I honestly didn't even love this movie. I just thought it was, number one, I had a lot to say about it. And number two, I thought it was kind of the concept of it was really interesting. But I didn't like – it wasn't my favorite movie ever. I just thought it was interesting. I think when I was watching it, I spent so much time just, like, trying to focus on, like, little details. Like, okay, what does that mean to the story that I just completely, yeah. like, missed while I was watching everything going on? And, like, like, after I read a couple articles and watched a few videos on it after, I kind of got a grasp of, of more of what was happening. But I I don't know if I've ever been more confused during a movie other than probably the first time I watched Inception at one in the morning. <laughs> Why was that the first time you watched Inception? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Magic, friend of the program. Survivor of the program. Yeah. No, so, Ben, go uh, This film, like... Just opening it up, it when they say say they're in the city, it doesn't even seem like that big of a city. It looks more just like a small town, like that you'd pass, like driving like around Iowa or Indiana, for example. So seeing them travel like through the snow, through the countryside, which is pretty barren with the dilapidated farms and different rustic elements like that swing set for some reason. Um to them eventually reaching this very old farmhouse that's run down. It's on its last legs. Uh, it was personal to me just because it reminded me a lot of driving up from Indianola to my grandparents' farm just north of Waterloo, which is full of very barren eastern Iowa landscapes, small towns, uh, cornfields or fields of snow, contrastly, or just just to end up at a very rustic farm that has a very old lived in feel to it. So and pigs that have maggots eating at them and dead sheep in the corner of the barn, right? That's that except for that part. That was <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking about that. Ben, ben watching this movie thinking it's him. This is my <laughs> Dude, this is me. <laughs> That's me. No, even like really, uh, when she, uh, when the young woman recited the poem, and then Jake responded like, "You wrote that about me," and she's like, "Well, <laughs> poetry is supposed to be, it's done best when you're able to connect it to your own life, when you put yourself in the shoes of the author." And then he's like, "Yeah, but you wrote it about me." <laughs> that was me with this. <laughs> I thought the line when they were driving. And she's like, this is so pretty. And then it just cuts to an empty field of snow. I thought that was so funny for some reason. <laughs> there were a couple, like, oddly funny parts. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> like when ones. the janitor was watching the movie <laughs> on his break or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, the like trashiest movie ever. And then it just cuts to credits. <laughs> yeah. The mom laughing creeped me out but it was hilarious when uh she was upstairs like after the old dude said something like really creepy and weird and then she like does her high pitch hysterical laugh that was like the only time i found it funny but it, it was really, you know, it was off screen yeah who do you who do you call a pansy do you remember who it was what do you mean jake i'm pretty sure no it was like some, it was like some like actor or something. He called a pan. I want to say it was John Legend, but I don't think he called John Legend a pansy. <laughs> so John, John Ham. I don't know. Obviously, none of us really knew exactly what to expect coming to this movie. And I <laughs> yeah. wonder these takes, but like when she got to the house, I just thought that the parents were gonna kill her. 
That's kind of what I thought. Was I did be. too. I thought yeah. they were trying to kill her. And I thought that like, it almost kind of felt like get out in a sense at first when she got to the house, like uh, when she asked about the scratches on the door, I thought it was going to be like Jake's past girlfriend or something or like a younger brother or like yeah. a Hugo type thing. So that's why I think the movie was so weird for me was because I don't know if it defied my expectations because I didn't really have any expectations going into it. But like it until like literally the they got to the high school, I didn't really know anything like what the movie was about. And I thought that like her wanting to leave was more like her fear of like being murdered. But I think it was more just her wanting to leave, which yeah, was interesting in it. It's a different type of thriller when it doesn't it didn't really feel like there was that much that many stakes involved. There actually wasn't really any stakes in it. Yeah. I I thought the when Jesse Plemons character was underplaying like like he was being really weird when they were like touring the barn and she's like, Why is there dead sheep in the corner? He's like, I don't know, that's just kinda the way things are. It's like all right. leave them there. <laughs> I was like, Alright dude, calm down. I thought he was like in a, I thought he had something and then his parents were acting odd, so I, I thought I'll, I'll get into this a little more in the negatives, but I thought this was going to be like a true horror movie when I first. I didn't really know who Charlie Kaufman was or any of his past movies, so I didn't really know what to expect. I knew he was a big name director, but I thought it was going to be more horror than it was kind of just you know messing with my mind. You know, Tony Colletti I thought gave a really good performance. The oh, she yeah. wasn't even on the screen for much time, honestly, like probably like thirty minutes or something, but. I thought her performance was really, really good. I think she's one of the more underrated uh, actresses working right now in Hollywood. So it was mainly just the Jessies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. That was the day when the skeleton came to life. <laughs> what? I think it's kind of interesting how the movie is from Jake's perspective. Assuming it's Jake as the janitor, his perspective. But we see his perspective through Lucy's character, you know. So it's essentially, uh, while Lucy on the surface seems like the main character, really Jake's the main character, or at least the janitor guys, if if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it does kind of. I, I thought that was kind of an interesting way to portray the story. But that's just me. <laughs> I know that. So I say just for the podcast, we assume that Jake was the janitor, just for confusion yeah. purposes. So, assuming that Jake was the janitor, the way that I interpret it, so Jake was extremely boring. Like, he was one of the most dry characters I've ever seen in a movie, let alone in a lead role in a movie I've (laughs) ever seen. And I thought that that was a very weird creative choice at first, but now that I think of it, it it really just shows... So, the janitor was very depressed, obviously. Usually, depression comes with low self-esteem. So, I think, like, this is him looking back on his past self on like regret and also kind of like low self-esteem on how he used to be, which I think, I think just talking about this movie instead of just thinking about it makes me appreciate it more because Mm -hmm. I think that Charlie Kaufman did a lot of good things with like very underlying themes. Like there's some movies like it's got clear themes, but it's also got underlying themes but if you don't think when you watch this movie, you could very easily watch it without noticing a single theme. And I mm-hmm. think that Kaufman did a pretty good job of making you like search extensively for the themes of this movie, which, of course, that's not for everyone. 
Yeah, <laughs> I thought he did a good job. Like, this is another movie where you really have to pay attention because, like, if you're not paying attention for, like, five minutes or ten minutes, you're going to miss something, you know? Like, if yeah. you're not – like, the bedroom scene where she's going to his bedroom. If you're not watching and seeing, like, the, like, flashes of, like, oh, here's this book, but she just recited – like, here's this poem that she just recited in the car as her own. Like, that kind of, like, small detail stuff. Like, you're going you're gonna to be really confused by the time the movie's over. I pay attention to the whole movie, and I was still really confused when the movie's over. So I can't imagine if I was drifting in and off my phone the whole time. I would probably just be like, I don't know what this movie was, and I don't really care to ever watch it again, you know. (laughs) I think it's one of those films, for sure, where it's not necessarily what you see play out on screen, and you're just entertained by it. It's more... The more you marinate on it and the more you reflect on it, the more rewarding it is when you put in your own experiences and draw out your own interpretation from it. Yeah, that's what I was telling you guys. Like after I watched it, like I've said it before, I've said it already, but I I, I didn't like I was like I wasn't in love with this movie. It was a it's a good movie. I enjoyed it, but like it wasn't one of my favorites ever. It was just so interesting. I couldn't stop thinking about like what all the little details and stuff matter, like the symbolism and stuff, and that's what caught my eye. So I agree with you on that. What was the symbolism of all the empty shakes? I don't know. I was trying to think of that, too. I had no idea. Oh, they returned to that spot a lot. This isn't the first time they've been there. or They've been in that mindset. Well, it was a dream. Like, those weren't real. That's why there's... Yeah, I know. So, like, after that point, I was getting, like, sketchy about murder again. So I, like, saw those empty shakes, like, has Jake done this like a hundred girls? Like, has he just brought? <laughs> has he just yeah. gotten shakes and then gotten mad that they're melting and brought like people there to kill them to an abandoned yeah. high school? And like, <laughs> I was I was just so confused this whole movie. I apologize, Turbo Team listeners. <laughs> Dude, or like when or like they were at the store at the at the ice cream shop and that girl was like, the smell is not. They're not painting in the back. And then they just left. I was like, dude, what is going on? She was like, you don't have to leave. You can stay here. Dude, I was just, I was waiting for someone to die every second of this movie, and it just never <laughs> happened. It might have happened at the end. I'm pretty sure. Homeless going through a lot. No one died in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything from like an artistic standpoint that stood out to you guys? I thought that the coloring of this movie was very depressing, but, like, good. And it was kind of shot not in, like, a widescreen. It was more of, like, a... It felt like yeah, more it's, of a film. It's like a square. Yeah, like a film. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I thought... Uh, w- w- this w- The reason this movie caught my eye was Ben sent me, like, the poster of it on Twitter. And you said that, like, I want to watch this movie just based off this poster. <laughs> I did. It was, uh, it was, yeah, it was Lucy's character, like, holding the wine glass oh, on yes. that green. Yeah. yeah, that's why I watched this movie, not knowing <laughs> I was getting into, but here we are. So I thought, I thought like the visuals of that were interesting. The coloring was kind of, or like the lighting was dramatic. The shots that got me were the shots in the car, though. I thought, the like when the like the snow was like pouring down in them in the car. I thought that was credit was a majority of the movie, but I thought those were some of the best shots of the whole whole show. Mm-hmm. They really, like, knew how to make the most out of what they could with all those shots just within one car. Because those ride sequences on the way to the farm and back are very long. They're almost whole yeah. acts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
the have- uh, the shot when they get to the high school parking lot to like to throw away the shakes and uh it's a it's an aerial shot view of the car but the car is like in the like the top right corner like the top left corner you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah. that shot reminded me of the shot in eternal sunshine of a spotless mind oh yeah when they're just laying down when they're just laying there it shot very like every time i saw it i was like that's this that's exactly what i thought of they showed it like four or five times but (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, Coffin did both those movies, so if he if he if he wants to cop uh, copy the same shot, he can. I can complain; it's a good shot. But uh, Jake, did you have anything artistically you liked? We have chains for the tires. Chains. For the tires. <laughs> oh my God. We got That's chains. Insane. They said that line like ten different times. I know. <laughs> Every time, and like annoyed me a little bit. They had to get, a, <laughs> yeah. they had to get across that point. They have chains. <laughs> There was one time actually where she, the mom was like, "We have changed for the tire," and then it made like a chain sound. Yeah, I'm trying to think like what more the context was, but there's a few of those. Cause you remember when she they drove past that sign? I, I think it was in the beginning of the movie. They drove past it like a sign. It was like, "Welcome to whatever." It was and the, then, like the, the, a little voice came and told him like like uh, yeah, it's like it was Tulsi Town. A little voice came over like when they're passing the sign. I was like, "Get out" or something like that. I forgot what it said, but. But that so was there's a couple a, of those moments throughout the movie. That was in the young woman's voice, though. I don't know. The editing, uh, whether we're talking about sound uh, sound editing or just the visual editing, is very sporadic. Yeah. For so many different reasons. And I think I'm going to come. Sorry, Jake, go ahead. I was going to say, and I think that's by design, too. Oh, yeah. Because, like, <laughs> I'm not a very vivid dreamer. Like, I don't really remember a lot of my dreams, but. Of the ones I do, some of them I don't remember like a single word from it, and I just remember images, and some I just like remember just voices. So, yeah, I think that this movie played very well on the on the sense of, and I know it's more of a daydream than anything, but I think it played on the absurd absurdity of dreams, and that like you can go literally any direction with them. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna round it. I feel like every time you want to talk about uh, a movie giving you uh, anxiety, I think you got to take it back to Uncut Gems because I know Ben thinks that's like I, – I think you agree with him, Jake. That's like the best use of like getting the viewers the same amount of anxiety as the characters. The scene when they're eating dinner, I, that whole exchange oh. like sequence, oh my god. I was like – I it gave me anxiety. I was like yeah. – I was like someone please do something. Like there's no like interactions of like – like significance you know like the mom couldn't stop the joker laughing the dad was just staring at everyone jesse <laughs> Plemons' character was just like angry at everything and then like i felt like the awkwardness of lucy's character i, I was like oh my god could someone just have a or like a like an, a human reaction and just like a i don't even know man it's just it got me worked up it was mark zuckerberg's <laughs> family christmas exactly. at each other <laughs> no uh everything about the dinner was so uncomfortable and it was yeah, uncomfortable that's the word everything yes. was off-putting and i i don't want to use creepy but it, it was a little creepy but i don't think that's the main word like it was just so unsettling disturbing yeah, yeah. it i don't know it just did you guys ever see that trend on tiktok that was just like uh, pictures of like un like strangely similar like un 
unsettling places. And it was oh, yeah, like I a, have yeah. an empty mall playground and stuff like that. Yep, like, I have one of those saved on my phone. Scene felt like. And you can't you can't describe like what the feeling is. You just like you just like know the feeling. It's uh it's like a I think what they call it is like a like a small Midwest town at like midnight. You know like yeah. when it, when you say like I think of like a gas station with like no one in it and it's like you know what I'm talking about. Like that's what this whole movie felt like. The gas station <laughs> out by the the Catholic church, kind of out by Ben's house, like behind Wilder. Oh yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, it's just two pumps. It's not even like a gas station, like that yeah. type of feeling. Yep, yep. Imagine that, and like at uh, like midnight in a snowstorm, like that's unsettling. You know, just yeah. nothing's like, and there's not even anything about it that's like overly creepy. It's just, it's just like, just the visual, like it seems odd. You know, and the the oddness of it is what's unsettling. They're like, they're very personal experiences. They're very real, relatable events like something simple as just driving out to a farm and then back during a mm-hmm. snowstorm which we can especially relate to in iowa and indiana but they have very odd discussions there's very odd editing there's an element of supernatural uh events maybe not supernatural events just more i don't know what's the word what's the word what's the word what's the word what's, what's the, the word? word what's the word <laughs> Uh, Andre, did you see his tweet actually off topic? I did. I did. Uh, about what? He's going bald for season five. Oh, yeah. I already knew that. Well, he made it. I think. He, I think that. I think that already happened though. And or did he shave his head again? Well, no. It's it's like been filmed, and I think it's done. But I think he okay. tweeted. Sure. I think today's like confirmation that season five's done and ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought too. Cause I knew I, I watched, uh, he was on part of my take and he, they talked about like him going bald. And I was like, this was like Wait, June. Matt. I was, I was confused when I saw, when I saw those tweets, but it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So I got off topic. Ben, what were you talking about? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's very ben. mystical and melancholy. That's what the whole film is, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you touched on it a bit. Did you feel a lot of like, almost deja vu moments when you're watching this, like going back, like driving up to your grandparents' farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was very nostalgic in a way for me. It was very relatable, just driving through the snow, uh, not much of anything going on, very barren landscapes. And then coming back to a home that it feels has more dust per square inch than anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not necessarily because it literally does, but that's just the aura yeah. it gives off of. Yeah, I've I've I made that drive not to your grandparents' farm, but you take the same way to Cedar to Cedar Falls. Yeah, so I yeah, made yeah. I made that drive with you before. That's what I thought of instantly. It was like this is, reminds me of that drive up to Cedar Falls. So yeah, exactly. I, I was I was curious to see if you felt the same way. Oh yeah. So I know that there were a lot of unsettling and creepy parts, but I think the creepiest part of the movie was it was probably a two minute scene where they walked into the house for the first time, and he was just like screaming for his parents to come. Like that yes. was that was horrifying. <laughs> I had no idea what was gonna happen at that point. Like that was probably the most confused I was. Or when so he was like, uh, "Oh, here they're coming! They're coming now!" Yeah. Like when she was trying to like, I forgot what she was bringing up. She was like about to say something important, and then he just interrupted her. <laughs> so we've talked about a lot of just like the stuff in the movie. What did we not like about it? I can start. So. This might be because I'm just dumb, 
but a lot of the poetry and a lot of like the movies and like old plays they were talking about just made no sense to me and did not hit home at all. I'm like, yeah. I've just yeah. not, and I, I don't understand what any of this means. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> that part of it just dragged for me because you didn't relate know, to it. I don't speak Shakespeare or whatever. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I ain't no nerd. So I didn't understand this stuff. <laughs> this is the funny on Twitter film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you, Jake. Like I said, after reading that, like that poem that she recited, I thought that was just off the dome, as the kids say. But uh, that was like yeah, it's long, huh? That was like close to three minutes long. I feel like the poem. Yeah, it was yeah, very it was in depth. Like, I yeah. loved the poem. That was I it was a good poem. But like I wouldn't have had any idea that was like an actual poem of you know. Like the right, yeah, like in the bedroom where they're like shooting out like the like the paintings and the books and stuff. That I was just like, all right, he likes to read, I guess. I don't know. And then I read the Vanity Fair article, and they're like, oh no, this is referenced like all throughout the movie. And I was like, oh yeah, I I didn't get that, but all right. Yeah. Uh, I wish they would have dug more deep into the horror. I wish this was like a true horror film rather than kind of like a, I like a kind of a commentary on loneliness, maybe. I don't know. But I thought I wish they really like just went all the way in on horror on it. Not that they like had like a scary twist or something, but I thought just like the unsettlingness of it, especially like 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 the ending, like when they got to the when they got to the high school and she goes in. Like I think that's when the unsettlingness of it starts, and that's when the confusion sets in because you're like, what's going on here, you know? But up until that point, I was, like, creeped out. Like I said, I didn't know. I thought someone was going to die at any second. I was waiting for it to happen. Like, the interaction the whole time at the parents' house was so creepy and unsettling and disturbing. And I wish they just went with a whole horror movie for the thing of it. I think I would have loved this a lot more if that was the case, you know? So I'm not going to have all the factual evidence to back this claim up because it's been a while since I've seen the movie. But all the parts at the house felt extremely similar to Caroline, the tim burton like yeah I know you're about. Movie. i haven't seen caroline for and forever so i couldn't i can tell you either so, but from off the dome the <laughs> i think like the first half of the movie is like when she gets the when she goes through the door i isn't that what happens she goes through like a little uh crawl space and then she like goes to this life that's obviously better but it's also like unsettling like almost too perfect at the same time and yeah it, it leaves you with this whole offsetting feeling and i haven't seen that movie since i was like eight or nine but that's mm-hmm. kind of the type of movie that comes to mind if they did decide to go the horror the horror route this does have a little bit of tim burton to it in a way tim burton's more of a animation guy but yeah i, I kind of get what you're saying Just, I, it's kind of a whimsical tone in a way yeah yeah but purely more just for now what's on camera just how they use it and how mm. odd and somewhat off-putting everything is in a way. And I think it's yeah. a sense where like in Caroline, the entire movie, you're just like waiting for something bad to happen. And I think that is what's happening in this movie also. And nothing really that bad happens until you get to the high school. Yeah. And even then at the yeah. high school, it's still just kind of symbolism. I don't, I don't know. The uh the whole like dance they did like the whole like choreographed thing throughout the halls with the two guys that kind of look like the main character you know you know what I'm talking about yeah uh the Vanity Fair article talked about how and then at at the end obviously the the guy dies by the hands of the janitor you know 
Mm-hmm. The, the Vanity Fair article talked about that was him, the, the janitor, Jake, realizing that while he thinks he is the hero, he thinks he is the Jake that he's imagined this whole time. You know, the guy that's, you know, he's just, he's smart, he's educated, he's got his life together, and, you know, yeah. he's got a girlfriend and a happy life. He like that's him realizing that that's not who he is, and the janitor kills him at the end. And the janitor, he feels he realizes he's more of the the villain than he is the hero. Not necessarily that he's like a bad guy, but just like he's not. Know, that's the, not, he's not the main character. He's he's not the main character. Yeah, that's not who he is. And he yeah. he finally comes to terms with that at the end. And I don't know if that was the point that pushed him over the end to actually kill himself or what. But. Well, because Jake throughout the movie is talking about how he feels invisible. Yeah. Or he feels that people don't see him as much as they should. So I think that may also would be, ooh, that also might be why at the end when he does his whole <laughs> song after receiving the Nobel Peace Prize is like so meaningful to him. Yeah, this is uh this is alt TikTok's worst fear because everyone on alt TikTok uh thinks they're the main character. So a movie <laughs> telling them that they're not is like. The opposite of what they're wanting, you know. <laughs> you referenced all TikToks, so that means we have to do Scott Pilgrim next week. Ah, God, I was watching Scott Pilgrim the other day. Um, do it. Why are you I waiting? Think I watched that. I watched this film instead. Actually, I was like, oh. do I watch Scott Pilgrim or this film? And I was like, I watch this one. It's new. Looks good. I'll watch it. So you I need to this. watch it. You're just resisting out of spite. I am I'm resisting because it it's funny, but <laughs> it's on my list. I got a couple I want to watch before, but okay. me getting kicked off Simpson campus and realizing that the campus life still goes on without me, and me realizing <laughs> I'm not the main character of Simpson College. <laughs> Especially with all the drama last week, yeah. Oh God. Man. <laughs> Enemy of the Turbo Team podcast, racism. <laughs> yeah, Stop we hate it. Racism here. Uh, okay, so before we move into ratings, Ben, also uh, one of my friends on the tennis team, his favorite movie of all time is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. King. But his second <laughs> is The Greatest Showman, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're in the same category as that guy. <laughs> Shout out oh Zach Ambrose. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> Someone's liking 100 gags. <laughs> That's not related. I will always love 100 gags. I need more Fall Out Boy remixes. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> what? That, dude, that song is good. I don't know what you're talking about. That song's it's so good. Bad. I All enjoy right, let's, it. Let's rate this movie. Ben, you go first. <laughs> well, I gotta let uh, Alex cool off because I assaulted his being by saying that Gex and Gixon... <laughs> give it a hundred for Gex. <laughs> All right, Ben, go ahead. Yeah, no. Um. Yeah, this uh, film was very introspective, very thought-provoking. I was thinking about it just walking around campus all oh, this whole rainy day because it yep. has that sort of lasting impact on you. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? Ben thinking, am I the main character or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but yeah. It's a very thought-provoking film, but at the same time, um, I don't know about you guys, but besides specific scenes or just throwing it on in the background, I couldn't see this as a multiple-viewing type of movie. I would agree. <laughs> I wouldn't even say I enjoyed myself the whole time watching 
Uh, but the acting was really good. Uh, the direction for what they were trying to pull off, they pulled off magnificently well. I was very confused. Uh, but just for those earlier, uh, not disclaimers, uh, negatives that I had listed before, uh, I think I just got to give this a 6 out of 10. Um, I feel the same about Ben, where, like, none of this movie made me, like, feel good about anything, or feel good about (laughs) And even after, like, even after, like, thinking about it and having some really good discussion about it, I still feel like, uh, I don't know, it's just depressing. And I think that, like, at the same time as being depressing, it's not really hopeful at all. And this is, so I took a class at Simpson last year as a freshman and it was called hope and despair. And it was, we watched a few movies about like despair, but also like where you could find hope in it. And I just don't see any hope in this movie. Like, <laughs> and I thought that like everything artistically with the movie was really creative and I thought it was good. And I thought the acting was awesome too, by the, by the two Jesse's, but also like it just, I just didn't love it, but I think it's yeah. super interesting and it's interesting enough to, for me to give it like a 6.66. I mean, the Satan. Oh, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Enemy <laughs> of the turbo team podcast, the devil. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Next week of the turbo team podcast, <laughs> we're having the devil on. Yeah. All yeah. Of the time of the podcast. All of, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to give it a little more than you guys. I'm going to give it a 7.5. 7. Um, I really, like I said, I didn't love this movie. I thought it was really interesting. I thought discussing it made me kind of appreciate it a little more. I think the social commentary that, you know, you're not the main character. And while this movie kind of says you're not the main character, so if that's the case, you know, you should end things. I think I don't think I that's think, the point it's think, making. <laughs> I think you can take that in a different way where you're not the main character, but, you know, there's nothing really wrong with that. But obviously this movie doesn't tell you that, but I think that's one takeaway you can have. And so I, I like that. I thought, like I said, like we all said, the both the Jessies were good. Tony Colletti and the uh, <laughs> – Tony Colletti and the other – I forgot the guy's name, the British guy, the dad. They were both really good. I thought there's the a lot of nice – from stuff. Wonder Woman. Why well, I haven't seen Wonder Woman, so <laughs> so uh, but I thought I thought there was a lot of good parts about it that kind of made me like it, even though the story was confusing. I think I don't think I'm gonna watch this movie again, uh, but I definitely am gonna recommend this movie to people because I'm always interested to see what other people's thoughts are. So I'll give it a seven and a half, and that's all I have to say on the matter. Whoa, and that's that. <laughs> So, <laughs> Wonder Woman, which uh, the new Wonder Woman, I think it's called like I don't know, Wonder Woman 2049 or something like that. <laughs> <What? is coming laughs> out, not 2049. It's some year, and the it's the second Wonder Woman. It's coming up, uh, I think, in like January or something like that. And on the topic of new movies coming out, our next segment is going to be we're just going to talk about movies that are coming up in either the end of 2020 or uh, into 2021 and just what we're looking forward to and what we're excited about. Smooth does transition. Someone, does someone want to... So, yeah, I, I, have a, I have the list of the eight we discussed before. Do you want me to kind of moderate this? I'll just go by the movie and ask you guys your thoughts on it. Yeah, just do one at a time. Okay, so we'll start off with the Batman. 
uh, I think personally the Batman movie is going to be phenomenal. I think hot take. I don't think you can top Ledger's performance. I think Christian Bale is really good. I think these are going to be better than I think the Batman is going to be better than the Christopher Nolan movies. And that's not any slight to the Christopher Nolan movies. I love the Christopher Nolan movies. Whoa. That's just how high hopes I have for the Batman. I think Robert Pattinson is going to blow this performance out of the water. I cannot wait to see Paul Dano as a, as uh, the Riddler. <laughs> Or uh, Colin Farrell, uh, Colin Farrell, Ben's guy as uh, as Penguin, dude. I watched oh, the man. preview. I had, have you told? I I had no idea that was Colin Farrell. Yeah, like, it's insane. He like, looks so different. I saw on Twitter that uh, one of the actors, uh, he kept walking around trying to find Colin to like rehearse the scene, and he like kept walking <laughs> past him because he didn't recognize him. <laughs> yeah, I so I think the preview is, dude. When he he beats up that like. Uh, that goon or whatever and he's like i'm oh, vengeance i was like whoo okay <laughs> <He's> saying, <laughs> okay like vengeance <laughs> okay vengeance i like i like your vibe no but i think i think batman's gonna be really good so I'm, I'm very very excited for it that's the movie i'm most excited for on this list so, so uh what do you guys what are you guys thoughts so spilling into kind of my what i watched in september i watched birds of prey like last Coming week off. And it just, just, like, reminded me of, like, how sick of superhero movies I am. But mm-hmm. then the Batman trailer popped up on Twitter again, and I watched it, and I'm like, okay, I'm so ready for Batman. It's just, like, it's it's just clearly different from everything else we're getting as far as, like, the MCU goes, and even the DC Expanded Universe. And I just think that, like, like you said, Pattinson is obviously going to blow it away. And they made this trailer with only 30% of the movie filmed. Like, that's so yeah. impressive how they got that many just, like, good-looking shots and that much good dialogue into a small trailer that very clearly is going to give away nothing. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited, Alex, but I refuse to judge a movie until say it's going to be that good until I've actually seen it. So I'm not... Because of my history, I'm going to just try and not compare it at all to the Nolan Batman, and I'm just going to try and view it as separate entities and just like try and enjoy it but but no matter what it's going to be so good and i'm excited for it yeah, yeah. Is it i mean so what, november of next year or something like that it's it's got a while yeah it's now pattinson has got covid so they're delayed two weeks so <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna delay it six months because you can't film for two weeks <laughs> no but um or we you had a point that i wanted to bring up oh yeah you're saying how uh, you watched Birds of Prey and had a sick taste in your mouth, and then <laughs> you got excited for this one. Uh, I read in an, inter- in an interview with uh, Matt Reeves, and he said that this was going to be more into the investigative side of Batman, where Good. he's like supposed to be known as like the world's greatest detective. Like that's his like corny line from like the 60s. But he says they're that. going to be living that up and trying to defeat the Riddler, whose whole uh, premise is just being very uh, inquisitive and confusing and have to solve all those problems so like they're really going to be leaning into that for this film and i think that comes across very well well and i think that like yes batman's a superhero but pretty much every batman movie he's not really a superhero he's exactly yes so like although it is obviously 100 considered a superhero movie it's also at the same time like i think more so than other movies it's got the ability to be deeper than that and I think mm-hmm. I the the only thing that would be close would be I think Spider Man just because he has so much different variety. But Spider Man is way more like for kids and 
and just more for entertainment. And Batman's way more like, I don't know. Batman's just, yeah. it's not for adults because kids can obviously enjoy it, but it's just darker. It's darker than any other superhero we get. Ooh. That's what I love, though. I think the closest, <laughs> I think that's what Nolan did, the direction Nolan sent Batman, obviously Matt Reeves is giving full into this, is they're not making these, like, superhero movies. Like, they're, like, the Batman movies in, like, the Marvel Universe, they're different movies. Yeah, they might have some of the same tones, but, like, I feel like Nolan and now Matt Reeves are really trying to make these, like, like more, like, crime dramas that just feature a superhero, you know? Yeah. Rather than, rather than, like going all in on the whole superhero theme, which is like, like you said, Jake is, which is why I'm tired of kind of superhero movies. Like the Avengers, yeah, the shot. Well, acting is usually pretty good. Not nice special effects, but like <laughs> there's, you know, dozens of movies like this. I don't want to watch that. I want to watch like a darker, like Batman, I think is the perfect character to make like a darker superhero movie with too. I, I've said, I've said for a while now, I want to see like a rated R Darth Vader film. I think that'd be, Perfect. That that's like a rated R Dark Vader film to Star Wars is like what you know, like these Batman movies are to like DC and Marvel. Like they're one out, but like these are the characters you can do it with, and they're always really good. So I, I I love that Matt Reeves is going more into the kind of the investigative detective side of Batman rather than just oh he beats up the bad guys and stuff. But <laughs> so let's uh let's get into the next one. Uh, Tenet. Ooh. I'm, ex- uh, I'm excited for that. I've John heard David really Washington. things. Is it John David Washington? It's Denzel's kid that plays the lead. He was yeah. in Black Klansman. He did really good in Black Klansman. I can't wait to see him in this movie as another lead role, kind of a different lead role. I I really didn't really know what it was about until like two days ago. It's a Nolan movie. It's got something to do with time, but I'm excited for it. I love Christopher Nolan. He's probably my second favorite director, so I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, what Tenet has. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I've I've heard nothing but good things from everyone who's seen it. I've heard it's kind of just like Inception on steroids with World War Three involved. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I saw the trailer, but other than that, I I've tried not to read too much into it before I see it. I'm gonna try and see it tomorrow. If Simpsons listening to this, I'm actually uh, not gonna stream it. <laughs> I'm pirating it. I'm pirating it. <laughs> But if the government's listening, I'm going to the theaters. I'm going to the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but, like, yeah, along with your uh, take on it, I've been trying to avoid spoilers up until they started running TV spots for it about, like, two or so weeks ago. Uh, I've been avoiding all of the trailers successfully, but uh, watching the bubble, like, this whole time, I've been having to... <laughs> I've been forcing myself to actually look forward to and watch the trailers for Tana and I I can say I'm really excited for it whenever I get the chance to go out and see it in a theater but yeah it looks really good alright so next third on the list we have Dune uh, one of my personal favorite actors working Timothee Chalamet uh, <laughs> your I, favorite I, but you mispronounce his name <laughs> You know, it's Timothée. It's Timothée because he's French. That's how they pronounce. It. I saw it in an interview. That's why I, call, I referred to him as his name. I like, kind of like Timothée Chalamet for the joke, but I also think he's a really, really good actor. I'm excited to see him in more. Kind of, this is kind of a different role for him. Obviously, he's in Call Me by Your Name, Lady Bird. 
those movies are like coming of age films more. This is obviously a sci-fi. I'm interested to see how he does in the lead role. It's got Zendaya, Jason Momoa. Uh, who's the guy? Who, the, Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac. Josh Isaac. Oh god, there's Javier one. Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem, man, the greatest villain of all time. <laughs> Anton Chigur. The cast is amazing. The the trailer looked phenomenal. The oh, yeah. trailer got me so excited for. I am so excited for Dune. I think that's number two on this list behind Batman as far as what I'm most excited for. So what are you guys' thoughts? Dave Batista. I'll leave it at that. Oh, and Dave Batista. <laughs> I've already pre-ordered my ticket. <laughs> Drax is in it. I hope he. I hope he Batista bombs the worm. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I know no, but, yeah. this movie is like a pretty early favorite candidate to be a best picture nominee. Yeah, and there's been so much competition. Yeah, one lack of competition and two, this is just like an all star cast. This is probably the best cast we have for a film this year, I think. Oh, yeah. And the return of one of I think this last decade's most consistent and exciting directors in Denis Villeneuve. The man will not miss. He refuses to miss. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Dune, but I, I think you told me this. Dune is like, obviously, it's based off a book. Didn't you tell me that like Dune's considered like the greatest sci-fi like book ever written? It is. This is a hugely uh, beloved book among like sci-fi literature fans, and it's like something like a 1,400-page 14, epic. That's very central around visuals and building a creative world in which you can be a part of. And like lore wise, it's considered to be like the Star Wars of sci fi novels. Really? Yes. And uh, <laughs> it's yeah. Uh it's huge with pretty much anyone that like I find to be like a film nerd or who's very uh, into novels or sci-fi just in general like <laughs> i told a guy uh, that uh, dune was being produced into a film and he like freaked out because he loved <laughs> the book like as a kid nerd yeah <laughs> uh are they trying to make this a franchise or is it just kind of a one-two movie thing um i think it's supposed to be a two-parter honestly but i couldn't see i couldn't see this turning into a franchise because uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, he proved with uh, Blade Runner 2049 that he's able to deliver, like, uh, say what you will about the story and the movie as you liked it, but it gives you ple- pleasing visuals as well as respecting the original work because I couldn't say I remembered around when it was coming out, but uh, people who were talking about a Blade Runner sequel were probably like, no, leave it alone. Yeah. It's like, like it was from the 80s like what's the point of rebooting it this doesn't need to be a a retribution for the blade runner franchise Mm -hmm. it like it's not trying to do that it's just a respectful uh revisit to the world in which people enjoy and obviously this is one that has been tapped into earlier in the 80s i don't know if you guys were aware of this but there was a david lynch film (laughs) about david lynch yeah anyway it was super corny not corny but just very 80s and it hasn't aged well but yeah, uh, this is looking for a revision, and I think it's primed to be a really big movie for the year. I can't wait. I hope they I hope they do it well for number one the fans' point of view, and also just because I want to watch it. Uh, 
Oh, shoot, where'd it go? All right, number two, I had uh, the uh, the Devil All the Time, which we're actually going to be reviewing next week. Yeah, so we can discussion on that. <laughs> you don't Spider talk Man, about it. move on. No, we can <laughs> talk about it a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Let's just touch on it. It's got Pattinson, Tom Holland. It looked really good. Uh, I, I'm excited for it. So My Hollywood just... wife, Haley Bennett. Yep. That's it. Um, number two was uh, Next Goal Wins. So uh, I don't. I've never heard of this movie, Jake. Do you? You were the one that pointed that out. Do you want to uh, give your thoughts? Yeah. So it's like a. It's a, it's Taika Waititi, and it's a soccer movie, which <laughs> soccer guy here. And I honestly don't know too much about it outside of that. But Taika it has Ma- a. The cast is really good. It's Army Hammer. Yeah. And uh, uh, Michael Fassbender. Those guys are basically the same people to me. <laughs> but they'll be good together. It's the exact same. <laughs> All right, uh, it's trying to, yeah, no, they they they're the exact same person. Uh, trying to speed up a little bit. News of the world again. Jake, you pointed this out. I've never heard of it. Yeah, so it's a Tom Hanks western, which is kind of a little weird spot to find him. But it it takes place after the Civil War, and he finds this girl that was kidnapped, and he pretty much tries to rescue her and then bring her back to her family. Like again, I haven't I haven't heard too much about it, but. Uh, it's directed by uh, Paul Greengrass, and then Tom Hanks is also producing it. Okay. Hopefully, Tom Hanks isn't canceled by then, but uh, with the current climate, <laughs> point, who knows? Anyway, uh, Epstein. That sounds like, just by the way you said, it sounds like a movie that's going to be nominated for Best Picture, but it's kind of be, going to be like Ford vs. Ferrari, where it's like the last movie nominated, and it has no shot of winning. You yeah. Know? It just kind of sounds like it. Uh. Next one, French Dispatch. Uh, Wes Anderson. I think this one has Timothy Chalamet too. It's a Wes Anderson movie, man. Like they're always fun to watch. Always great cast. Always kind of kooky and makes you feel good and stuff. With also telling a decent story. I'm excited for it. Uh, ben, you you used to be at least a big Wes Anderson guy. Do you have any thoughts? What on do you this? mean used to be? Are you still? Yeah. I remember. Is it he just because I favorite. forgot to put him on my director's list? Oh, I remember he was like he used to be like your favorite director for a while. So I'm just curious. Yeah, that's to see fair. What you think. But, yeah, no. Uh, I'm extremely excited for this film. It has an amazing cast. Uh, just going through it really quickly, it's got Lee Schreiber, Henry Winkler, Edward Norton, Jason Schwartzman, Christoph Waltz, William Dafoe, uh, Jeffrey Wright, Elizabeth Moss, Cerise Ronan, Francis McDormand, Adrian Brody, Owen Wilson, uh, that French uh, chick from The Lobster, uh, Benicio <laughs> Del Toro. <laughs> Sorry, I probably should have been more formal with that. Uh, Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, and Timothy Chalamet. So, yeah, I'm a little excited. Jake, uh, do you have any thoughts? I watched the trailer on it. It looks pretty interesting. Uh, looks good. Obviously, like, an insane cast. I mean, this and Dune, Dune. are probably the two best casts uh, of the year. And I guess we'll just have to see once they both come out. But, yeah, it looks... I think... When's it... When's it being released? They haven't French- given a release date, right? Uh, I don't think so. At so least I don't know. Why? A lot of these are indefinitely. Yeah. Dune's probably, De- probably end of the year. Yeah. Dune's December, isn't it, Alex? Yep, December 18th. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think this has a better cast than Dune, but oh, I think yeah. Dune's cast is 
I think Dune's cast has just enough people where I feel like we're going to get significant screen time and like good storylines from all of them. Well, this one, I feel like the cast is so big and so deep that I think there's going to be some of the main players that like, like, uh, uh, Timothy Chalamet or like Cesar Theron. And I think we're not going to get enough screen time maybe that we would like from them just cause there's so many players in the, in the movie, you know? Mm. So that's just my initial concern with it. Obviously I got to watch the movie, but, uh, and then the last movie, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this. Promising Young Women. It's got – I don't know who the main character is. Ben, who's the main actress in it? Um, Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. Uh, it's got Bo Burnham, Max Greenfield. It's got like a not, like a good set of actors in it, some pretty well-known na- names. Uh, it, I think it's – I think it looks really good. I think it looks really interesting. I'm, I think they – in the trailer I watched, it looks like they might have gave a little bit a way that I would have uh, cared, but I'm still excited to watch it. It looks good. Can't wait to see Bo Burnham in lo- what looks like a pretty serious role. Obviously, he did eighth grade, which is, uh, but he wasn't in it. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on Promising Young Woman? Uh, yeah, it's also got uh, Christopher Mintz Plaza and Allison Brie in it, too. So that's yeah, exciting. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Th- yeah. Those are your only thoughts? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> All right. Jake, anything? That's all I got to say. All right. Yeah. Uh, unless you guys have anything else, that's the end of the segment and the end of the episode. So Wait, wait. Uh, you're missing two very key movies. Bill and Ted, oh, okay. Music, and Black Widow. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Can't wait for those. That's I'm the episode. So excited for yeah, I'm <laughs> so excited for, for the forced Bill and Ted uh, sequel. For, uh, for all the middle school listeners. Uh, I don't know. It's got Anthony Kerrigan in it. I don't care. <laughs> that's the that's a Noah Hank. <laughs> yeah, I know I know who Anthony Kerrigan is, but <laughs> I don't want to watch Bill and Ted's movie like 30 years after the first one came it, out. It looks like a movie that I won't go out of my way to see, but if a gun was held to my head, I would enjoy it. <laughs> that's a glowing review. Like you would force yourself to enjoy it if a gun was to your head, or like if a gun was to your head making you watch it, you think you would enjoy it. You don't have to read into it. <laughs> Just gun to your head. Yeah, this movie's really good. Man, Keanu Reeves is so if funny. If someone held a gun to my head and was like, if you don't like this movie, I'm going to kill you, I could force myself to like it. Like, I could see myself doing the same thing with Tag. Dude. <laughs> Dude, we enjoyed Tag when we saw it. Okay. As I mean, someone that saw Tag twice in theaters, no, you can't force it. Like, the only good redeeming quality of that is John Hamm. Uh, actually... That movie isn't bad. The bad part is number one, the story, and number two, Ed Helms. Everything else about that movie is good. And number three, not enough Hannibal. Not enough Hannibal. Call me LeVar Blue. <laughs> All right, why are we talking about tag? We gotta wrap this up. Yeah. Next yeah. week on the Toro Team Podcast, tag. A special guest, Ed Helms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, end the movie. End the show. Yeah, so uh, we want to thank uh, the Turbo Team audience for listening again. Always, <laughs> always, always just serving up the, the applause. We want to thank thank our wonderful listeners of the Turbo Team podcast again. We'll be back next week with uh, reviewing the, the the Hell movie. I can't remember Church movie. It's a long title. It's all the time. Yeah, that one. We'll be back for that next week. Uh, again, you can always look for new shows on Fridays around, I don't know, 8 a.m., something like that. But for the meantime, that's going to do it for me, Jake Brand, for Alex Powell and Ben Neeson. We're sounding off, and thank you for tuning in. 
We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform or podcast to listen to. Thank you for listening.